Yo, what's up? Welcome to Yo, Witches and up? Winos. Welcome to Yo, Witches Sitting on the border of Washington, D.C. and Maryland lies a town just over 1,000 residents named Cottage City. On its municipal website, Cottage City purports to be a, quote, small, quiet community whose claims to fame are its connection to the Deepwater Port and the, to the Deepwater Anacostia River Port, a historical gristmill, and a brief post-Civil War visit by President Ulysses S. Grant. Now, the small town serves as a quaint suburb of the Washington metropolitan area, flecked with quiet neighborhoods of cottages and neat tree-lined streets that burst forth in brilliant shades of green in the spring and burn red and orange in the fall. It is a port city encircled by the smell of brine, industry, and, to the initiated, something far more sinister. It's January of 1949. A 13-year-old boy sits in the basement of his parents' home in Cottage City. Before him sits a Ouija board, a gift from his aunt Harriet, who had recently passed. The dim light of the basement reflects against the mirrored center of the heart-shaped planchette. He places his fingers on the wood and, bereft, asks his aunt to speak to him. This is a ritual he has repeated each night, calling out to his aunt like she had taught him. Tonight is different. The air is electric the hair on the back of his neck standing on end. He begins to hear scratching in the walls, low at first, then more aggressive. Aunt Harriet, he calls. The planchette moves, his heart flutters, and he packs up the board and climbs the stairs to go to bed. Over the next several weeks, the scratching returns many times. Surrounding him in his bedroom, in the floors, in the walls, he wakes in the night on several occasions to his mattress being pulled by some unforeseen force. Furniture begins to levitate across the room around him. Finally, terrified, his family begins to fear the worst. His mother seeks the help of doctors and, at first, their Lutheran minister, who, after assessing the boy and the paranormal phenomenon, refers them to the Catholic Church. The boy had become, become aggressive, lashing out at his parents and the priests. In an act of desperation, the boy is checked into Georgetown University Hospital and visited by Father Edward Hughes, a Roman Catholic priest. Under the supervision of the Catholic Church, Hughes begins the rites of exorcism. The boy becomes irate, speaking in guttural voices and calling to the priest in Latin, a language that his family claimed he could not know. After several days, the boy slipped his hospital restraints and broke off a mattress spring, sinking it into the arm of the priest performing the ritual, Father Hughes. The exorcism rituals were thereby stopped, and the family left town shortly after. If the story sounds familiar, it's because it forms the basis for the book, The Exorcist, by William J. Blatty, the inspiration for the influential 1973 film of the same name. Whoa. Whoa. 
So if you haven't guessed today, yo, what's up? Welcome to Wishes and Winos. We're doing exorcisms today. We're doing exorcisms today. Yeah. On each other. On each other. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. <laughs> Very spooky reading. Yeah, thank you, thank you, yeah. Um, so yeah, so today we're, we're talking about exorcisms. Um, we are drinking beer tonight, which mm-hmm. is, uh, I think, a first. Is that a first? It's a first. It's well, first. we've drank beer before, but we haven't told you about it. No, not on this show, at least. You know, and all of our other shows. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. all our other shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah we drink beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so today we're drinking uh, Left Hand Brewery's Wicked Juju. And on the bottle, Left Hand Brewery, it says, um, Good Juju, or Good Juju's Voodoo Goes Dark. Consecrated in observance of the light and darkness in all creatures, fresh juiced ginger and dark roasted malt are brewed together to pour black with slight ginger heat, giving way to the chocolate malt sweetness. Invoke the good spirits and give reverence to the wicked with each divine drop. Wow. Yeah, so um, it pretty much tells you it's chocolatey. <laughs> what it tastes like. It's super chocolatey. Um, and you can definitely taste the ginger and stuff, too. Yeah. It's like a wheat ale, so I kind of expected it to be light, but it's pretty dark. Yeah, yeah. So, um, dark just like this episode this evening. Mm-hmm. Lots of bad juju this uh, this evening. Yeah. So, just so you know, people uh, fear that they could be subject to demonic possession if they talk and think about it too much. So, watch out. They're coming for you. Is that true? Through our voices. Yeah. It is true. Who thinks that? Just people. Just people. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, Zach, where are we starting tonight? Well... We're starting with exorcisms, and um, history of exorcisms. Yeah, so if we, yeah, if we want to think about a brief history of uh, exorcisms, I guess you know the the idea of possession and demons kind of has a really storied history. So we're not really going to do it any justice in the historical context. Well, it's sort of say. like every every tradition has some sort of um, has some sort of uh, history with like. You know the you know evil spirits mm-hmm. get basically like taking over the living. Yeah, so. exactly. And so, um, I guess <laughs> okay. So essentially, um, you know, our version of it, and really the big events that we're going to talk about are be you know Christian and primarily Catholic centric. Yeah, um, as far as the possession goes. Um, but you're right, you know, a lot of cultures have this kind of idea of demonic possession and, and similar things. And so kind of the oldest thing that I've seen are these Assyrian tablets, um, which make reference to the use of incantations, prayers to the gods, um, to challenge these demons that they um, they talk about infecting uh, people in their, in their uh, village, I guess. I don't really know where they were at. But yeah. these are ta- these are like the oldest versions of of what we see, um, uh, recording these types of uh, types of ideas. Um, the Hindus um, they have ancient texts which um, go as far back as 1000 BC, which refer to evil beings that interfere with the work of gods and and the living on Earth and stuff like that. Um, so those are kind of the uh, the older versions of it, but what we're going to focus on is the the Catholic and Christian version of it, and really all of that is hinged on the New Testament 
and Jesus, essentially. Yeah, for sure. Right. So, um, so Jesus uh, gave the power. You know, he himself had the power of um, essentially performing an exorcism. You know, they talk about um, curing. Their idea, you know, the the idea presented in the Bible versus kind of this modern exorcism of speaking in tongues and having superhuman, like all these different traits that we'll kind of get into that Mm -hmm. make up like kind of the classic like exorcism film and stuff like that um, are really like way more extreme than what you saw mostly in the Bible of like being blind or paralysis, some seizures and stuff like that. Um, but a lot tamer, and it got really, like, romanticized, I guess, um, at a later date. Um, so... Well, it became part of, like, the cultural lore, right? Like... Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I think I think you could probably talk about a lot of reasons why it became so extreme. Um, so, essentially... Uh, yeah, well, so just to, get, just to complete that a little bit, yeah, he gave his disciples the powers... And, uh, you know, one famous uh, version, he, he exercised a bunch of spirits, put them into pigs, and they all ran over the edge of a cliff and stuff like that. So um, so they were kind of tamer. And, yeah, you're right. Uh, it kind of became this idea of lore and um, really picked up, I think, up until, like, the 16th century. Um, because um, essentially before that, um, you know, the first, like, Rights and official official guidelines for an exorcism didn't occur until 1619. And so it was really popular then, and before then it was anybody could perform them, lay people, clerics, stuff like that. And um, I think still then it was kind of describing sicknesses and such, and then it saw a second peak in the 20th century, which is what's associated with, like, what we're talking about here. Yeah. Exorcism, um... Places like Italy, it's still super popular with half a million people a year going to see exorcists um, for all types of symptoms, but really these kind of more flamboyant symptoms than were previously recorded. Yeah, I couldn't believe that when we when we heard that. That was in yeah. the beginning of um, a fairly new documentary put out by the director of The Exorcist mm-hmm. um, yeah. called The Devil and Father and Worth. Yeah. Yeah, full disclosure, we didn't finish it, but that first... No, but I've seen that stat talked about a few times. Yeah. Like, um, just that it's just a very prevalent practice there still. Yeah. Um, so so to kind of backtrack a little bit again and, and give more um, of a context to the act of exorcism. So essentially exorcists were adopted as a clerical order as far back as the 3rd century. And... Uh, like I said, uh, then no official guide, guidelines were really established until 1600s. And during that time, these clerics could perform exorcisms, but like a lay person could also perform an exorcism. Right, yeah. Um, and so there, you know, there wasn't uh, too much, you know, there wasn't any guidelines before that. And, and the Pope laid those down because uh, to essentially quell people from just rushing and performing these exorcisms on people that were just sick. And stuff like that, mm-hmm. and that the, they weren't updated again until 1999 for really the same reason, because there was this second uptick of exorcisms during the 20th century, and you know this this update essentially hinges on um, you have to send these person the, you have to send uh, 
you know, the su- supposed victim of the exor- uh, of the possession to um, to a psychiatrist and a medical doctor before you determine that an exorcism is the right path because, you know, essentially you had people taking advantage of people that had mental illness and stuff like that. Um, so these new kind of, this new version in 1999 uh, put that as part of the plan, essentially. Right, yeah. So, you, yeah, you didn't mm-hmm. have ba- people basically using it as a reason to deny care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, I mean, you know, it was a, it was a good step. It, essentially, they just saw, like, a huge uptick in exorcisms and you know we're just like a lot of these people are most likely mentally ill you know we have to they have to see a doctor before we decide that it's an exorcism Mm -hmm. case um and so the process of the exorcism i think you know and and you might know i don't know but uh it kind of follows this at least the catholic version follows the formula of the vede retro santana I'm sure you said that. That was yeah, perfect. Yeah, I think that was perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and essentially, it's just like a, a prayer type of thing that, that is used uh, mm-hmm. during the exorcism. And um, so, yeah, and, and like we've been t- saying, you know, everything that we're going to talk about, I think, is pretty much tied to Catholicism. Um, however, there is a history of exorcisms and, um, and possession in the Protestant church as well. But it's really just less um, prevalent, and but it's largely because like exorcists are not like an ordained position in like mm. Protestant. Yeah, that's probably part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and I was listening to this uh, uh, one interview about it, and uh, kind of the interesting thing of you know the differences between a Protestant uh, possession and a Catholic possession. The reason that you see like such sexuality associated with the Catholic mm-hmm. possession is because Catholics have tears of sinning, essentially. You have your seven deadly sins and stuff like right. that. Um, where they, t- whereas in Protestant, uh, any all sins are pretty much equal. Um, so, uh, so it's really about the Bible. So they're much more about desecrating the physical Bible. And there's also not, re- they are just kind of run the gamut of of any little thing could be a possession. So um, so they're just less extreme, I guess, in the Catholic version because to get to the level of possession, to get to the level of, like, pure evil, you have to go really extreme in one one particular sin, which is generally, like, sexual and violent. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. So they really crop out in a... They've historically cropped out in a um, really different way um, in the two kind of dominions of christianity it's also interesting how you see like basically like life imitating art very much mm-hmm. with the, with the exorcisms too because like you said like they really cropped up in like the the 20th century they've seen like another influx of people doing this and like yeah. there's two very famous cases um the first is one of roland doe that um i just read in the beginning of this episode um which basically like they did the exorcism in georgetown um, he apparently, like, this Roland Doe is a pseudonym. He apparently, like, slices the, you know, the lashes out and slices the priest. And then the family picks up and they move to St. Louis. And they perform, like, six or seven more months worth of, like, exorcisms on this boy. Yeah. And finally, at age, like, when he's, you know, he's still 13, he wakes up one day and doesn't remember a thing 
apparently. He's like wow. totally normal. Now, you know, though these kinds of things like Roland Doe happened in like the nineteen forties, right? So this mm-hmm. is like before this becomes like the basis for the exorcist. Um so that's very much like like the this kind of you know wild case happened. There's been a lot of studies of that. Like people have gone back to try to chronicle it. They're not even really sure whether or not it happened, of course, because yeah. like the guy, you know, the child's name is never released and at this point everybody that was involved in it was dead and like so we're relying on like priest notes and like that kind of stuff. Um and then there's also like just you know people who say like oh this dude this kid just suffered from like oppositional defiant disorder and was just like a brat (laughs) behaving like a brat and they just decided to write it off but it but it's interesting like how when you see these like later cases pop up like they're clearly either um like mental illness spurred on by like basically like religious delusions Mm -hmm. or they're like literally imitating like horror movies yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the um Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, he definitely got the inspiration from Chronicles of Possession right. for the Exorcist. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um as far but yeah, then it's tough to say um But yeah, but yeah, I mean, I guess then people, you know, they have that in their psyche and then when they're acting out these symptoms, they're going to kind of reflect what they know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I well the the really like interesting one and and honestly like really horribly sad but also really in, like, just interesting you know human psychology and so like get your armchair psychologist hat on as mm-hmm. we get into this is the case of Annalise Michelle, yeah. which um I don't know if you've ever seen the the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose but that's supposedly like Annalise Michelle's exorcism is apparently like the basis. Yeah. for that movie yeah. um, I actually haven't seen it we tried to get it on what was it like we tried to find it on our Roku but we <laughs> well we're it. having a problem with our Amazon yeah case. yeah. damn Amazon yeah, won't take Amazon's our money Amazon's really been screwing us over yeah. <laughs> yeah they won't take our money yeah Yeah. yeah. pretty interesting yeah. yeah we have money we swear um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, anyways so um, Annalise Michelle was a German woman. Um, she was a Catholic. Definitely German. She was definitely German, yes. Yeah, we checked our facts on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we might even have the Wikipedia page open. Yeah, right? we might have it open right to the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but she was, it was, I think, 1973 when she started kind of experiencing this stuff. But she was... Um, she was very religious. She was born into like a really very yeah, religious, yeah. like hyper religious family. Basically. Yeah, all of her friends at school and stuff called her like a very, just kind of quiet, religious, reserved type of gal. Yeah, gal. Mm-hmm. Um, she and like to the point like her her parents were also very like they were the ones kind of enforcing this. And mm-hmm. um, I read that her mother. Um, that her mother would like basically tell her that she needed to like do penance for all of this like sins of other people right right um so she was like constantly like praying and doing penance for other children and other women really and, like that kind That's of stuff. yeah it was it, it sounded really intense um and uh then she started i can't i think she was like 18 17 18 or something like that she started having um, she was 16 when she was diagnosed with the with epilepsy. Epilepsy. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, so she had um, temporal temporal lobe epilepsy. Yeah, she had temporal lobe epilepsy, and she was diagnosed with that when she was sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, she went to she was you know seen for, um, she was seen like a psychiatrist, and then she was diagnosed with depression um, and was treated at a psychiatric hospital. Um, but four years later, um, she was twenty years old. She started. Mm-hmm like really hyper experiencing these like symptoms so she would like get on the floor and crawl around and like you know she she was biting people and lashing out real rude behavior very rude behavior um she She was diagnosed with um extreme rudeness yeah extreme rudeness chronic rudeness Mm -hmm. yeah she was um she would she was intoler apparently intolerant of various religious objects mm. um even though like she had actually torn like shredded her knees like like all of the yeah. ligaments in her knees from the amount of praying that she was I doing I think that was during the exorcism Was that during I thought that was before like leading up to it she had just like her oh. symptoms kind of slowly increased as we went along No I don't know I think it's during the exorcism but I could be wrong you might be right. I thought it was like because she is she kind of like had a ramp up of symptoms and she kind of became mm-hmm. more and more devoted to like her you know her religion as she went along like you know quote mm-hmm. unquote devoted. Well, essentially, she I mean, her and her parents were in agreement about her being possessed. She was the one that went to the church and said mm-hmm. that there was like a demon inside yeah. of me. Um, and she was denied initially her exorcism. Yeah. And she was convinced, though, that she was possessed by a demon. She would, like, pray all the time. She would start, like, you know, she'd, like I said, like, she prayed until, like, the ligaments in her knees were shredded, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she she basically, like, they went on. They decided that they were going to do an exorcism on her. They withdrew her from all medical treatment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and... They like tied her to a bed and they just performed exorcism. They performed sixty-seven exorcisms. Yeah. Well, yeah. So they so they initially went to the bishop and were denied the exorcism. Mm -hmm. And essentially, her her symptoms got worse and worse until um, he granted the exorcism to be done by these two priests um, in secret. They weren't like they didn't tell anybody else i don't really know what that means to be done in secret but um since the bishop knows but that was kind of the idea on the down low yeah it was how the exorcism was done yeah and so then but in 1976 um she ultimately like succumbed to malnourishment mm-hmm. uh, and dehydration yeah. so she is starved to death yeah um like there are pictures of her like at the very end and they're just horrifying like horrifying yeah. like yeah. this is like this woman nice had, figure but ultimately not worth it don't listen to him. not worth it i'm saying no no I'm, I'm saying it's not worth it she looks just saying if you can do it she looks like somebody has been starving her to death now they're saying that like she was refusing food but here's the thing guys all right this woman was not receiving medical treatment by no, anyone yeah, they pulled her from from medical treatment, I think she had been in a psychiatric hospital. Yeah, um, and they just basically withdrew. I think her at first it was doctors. done in the psychiatric hospital. No, that was Roland Doe. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so they they basically like the the state once they find out like once she died they mm-hmm. um charged the the 
two priests and her parents with uh, negligent homicide. Yeah, for sure. You know. Um, later on, they I feel would like go, it's the parents that are worse. Definitely the parents, but the priests. It was were the priests you called in to do a job. Yeah, but the priests are too. <laughs> are too adults. They could have told somebody. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, but they and they were convicted of negligent homicide. Yeah. Um. And uh, they like basically after that, like no more exorcisms were performed in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, it became it became just kind of like a rule even before like 1999 when mm-hmm. they um changed the exorcist. Like the codes of exorcism, or rights of exorcism, yeah, they um they just weren't done in Germany since then. It was like a real shame, yeah, on that town that that had happened. Yeah, it is a shame. Well, no, no, I mean like it's shame in that like I was reading an article and people were that had, were there when that happened. Like we're talking about it and they were like, yeah, we don't we don't talk about that. Either. Oh really? Yeah, like <laughs> Germany up on their high horse, huh? <laughs> It was 1976. They don't have anything to be ashamed yeah. about, huh? Well, they have lots of things to be ashamed about. I think that that's what it, that's what it this is. This is really what uh, broke the camel's back, huh? <laughs> but this is 1976, so this is like... Death of a young Christian woman broke the camel's back in Germany, huh? Germany is pretty ashamed of the Holocaust. Well, I'm just, I, hey, I'm not, I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just out here saying. More ashamed of the Holocaust than Americans seem to be, so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> and that, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, just that, that makes, we yep, have that actually up so far. We have neo Nazis that are still here right, in the US. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Germany but, doesn't, but we're still lacking. I think there's definitely neo Nazis <laughs> in fucking Germany. Are you kidding me? They're not as open. There's about a it. shit ton of white people there. There's neo Nazis. No <laughs> doubt about it. Oh my gosh. And they're the one. Hey. Actions speak louder than words. That's all I'm saying. Um. Anyways, get back on topic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could talk about Nazis all day. Yeah, but um. They're no good though. No, we Nazis- should make sure. That that's no. We should have. We don't support Nazis, and we don't support neo. I don't support neo Nazis even more than I don't support Nazis. I'm not even going to make you explain that because I'm worried about what you'll say. No, I just don't. <laughs> neo, you know, I don't like anything that's neo. No, that's right. It's like we don't like neoliberals and we don't like neo Nazis. Yep, yep, that's right. Yeah, and I don't like. I like neo. I like the Matrix. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but that's as far as I'll go, because it's not attached to anything else. Mm-hmm. He's a one-word type of one-name type of guy. He's a share type of guy. Yeah, Madonna. Yeah, Madonna too. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a great one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you just compare Neo to Madonna and Cher. Yeah. yeah. I, I and kinda, Neo. I can kind of. He's different though. Yeah, he's different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Yeah, so, <laughs> anyways, so in the case of uh, Annalise Michelle, they later, you know, said, or at least speculated, they, being like the psychiatrist involved in mm-hmm. the trial and that kind of stuff, speculated that she probably had some form of schizophrenia. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in my armchair psychiatrist, you know, position, that seems... 
pretty she was obvious that there was some sort of psychosis too. going on. Because it wasn't just, you know, not liking the religious stuff. She was hearing these voices and stuff. Too. Yeah, so yeah. It seems pretty much. And it was definitely, like, fed in. Like, basically just, like, they were feeding into her delusions with, like, the... Yeah. Uh, with the religious beliefs and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was tough. Uh, so much of this is, like... Man, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously horrible to for everybody involved and... You know, I think, I'm sure that people, I mean, they wanted her to get better, so it's horrible, but, mm-hmm. yeah, just, her parents are fucked. We're fucked. I yeah, I mean, dead. yeah. You know? When the church tells you no the first time, what are you doing, you know? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just like, yeah. I mean, it's not the fucking movies. Like, I don't know. Like, this is a human being. Yeah. But yeah. I guess if you believe in it. If you believe in it, that's what's tough, right? Yeah. You know? Uh, so, yeah. Um, as far as, you know, um, you know, other kind of more recent cases, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, so we, so we kind of hit the big ones as far as, like, and we can talk more about uh, Roland Dell, right? Yeah, I mean the, the well, we, you know we kind of pretty much it was pretty str- he he he's not as tragic of a story. No, because he he lived and he doesn't remember any of it supposedly. So. Yeah, supposedly, and I mean he, you know he was treated you know more responsibly um, in comparison, um, given that you know they didn't let him starve. Yeah, for sure. Um, they they didn't. Let him starve, but but they still like kind of fed into his delusions. Um, and if he was like a kid with like oppositional defiant disorder, like they it's not like they were helping him. But, but maybe he was possessed. Maybe he was possessed. Yeah, for sure. I'm saying it worked. Yeah, I mean, like whatever it was. I mean, we don't really know. We don't know who Roland Doe is. So I mean, he could. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fake name. <laughs> In case people didn't know. In case you didn't know. We did say it was a pseudonym earlier. We did? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. But since you forgot, they probably forgot. Yeah, they forgot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so to, to, to kind of continue on the, um, you know, I, I mean, really all the big stories are these recent stories, right? There's no real, uh, um, you know, yeah. I mean, they're making all the headlines. So to kind of continue on that um, rant, I suppose... Uh, this other one I was, I was um, looking at is Dr. Gallagher. And so he's a, he's a psychiatrist, and essentially he's gone. I mean, there's, a, there's all these articles written about him like, you know, scientist confronts demons and yeah. all this stuff. Because, like, he essentially now believes in demons and possession. And, um, and because one... Medical doctor believes in, you know, possession. Yeah. That means that it's totally real. Yeah. I mean, they do talk to, like, a couple... Uh, in this one article I read, um, they do talk to, like, a couple other guys who are... And maybe a late, you know, I don't know. A couple other doctors, you know, that were briefly mentioned that are like, you know, I've seen some crazy shit. I don't know. But I'm not going to tell patients. I mean, you just see the... You know, obviously most people whether they claim to know whether there are demons a god like that's a big leap yeah 
<laughs> that's a big leap. But before that, you could just say, I think I'm that's, not... a, that's, a, that's a small leap. <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, end treatment and send them to, you know. A Catholic priest. Yeah, I mean, maybe see a Catholic priest on the side, right? Because, um, you know, and I'll talk about this other guy, um, Dr. Well, Brian Levack. I don't know if he's a doctor. I assume he's a doctor. What is his name? Brian Levack. Oh, okay. What? Well, what's up? What you Levack? Levick? L-E-V-A-C-K? Levick? Yeah. Yeah, Levick. Levack. I think that's fine. Levack. Levac, yeah, Brian Levac. <laughs> he teaches uh, right here at UT, and oh. um, so I assume he's a doctor. But uh, he kind of brings up this point, and, and he's very much a historian, and he's talking about it. In now, when Zach says doctor, he means f- doctor of philosophy and not medical. Doctor. Yes, he's a doc. Yeah, yeah, he teaches history, um, and he, he's written this book. Uh, he's written a few books, um, but the, the most. The one I was reading about, it's called The Devil Within, Possessions and Exorcisms, Exorcism in the Christian West. And, um, you know, it's interesting because he brings up, you know, a good point of, uh, and I think this is important probably in all aspects of treatment, and, you know, what the patient believes is really important, right? Mm-hmm. If the person believes in demons and right. believes that they're possessed, that might be a reasonable thing to bring in a priest and say, you know, can you pray with them while we also treat them medically? Right. You know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I mean, obviously, people with, you know, a better disposition are more likely to be better, to get better. Yeah. You know, I think that's pretty well known. I, I mean, I don't know, but I think that's known, right? I yeah. Mean, you know, if you're depressed and you, know, you see it all the time with, like, old people when their partner dies, they die. You know? <laughs> Where do we get from <laughs> understand the connection. I'm just saying they all have, when you don't have the strength or pillars then you you die easier. You're weak. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That was just a big leap from one thing to the next. No, no. I'm just saying I'm just saying, I'm saying if you have your priest and your faith right next to you uh, while you think you're suffering from those things and you have that strength to hold on to, you're probably more likely to make an ultimate recovery than if you feel all alone in the world and nobody's by your side. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um, and that's how people, if your spouse has left you, you're all alone in the world. You are all alone in yeah. the world. Well, so no if matter, your spouse has left you. Or your girlfriend broke up with you or anything like that. <laughs> you're all alone in the world. No, just kidding. You have us. Yeah. You have us. Yeah. yeah. And demons. Maybe let one of those in. Yeah. Maybe that's the idea. It's- that's why oh. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we're watching the show The Exorcist. Yes. Right now. And based on this, it's The Exorcist show. Yeah, basically. it's based on the movie The Exorcist, which is based. It's kind on of like a sequel etc. type of deal, and it's its own thing. Yeah, it's its own thing, but it is kind of a sequel in that it's the ties. It takes place later. There's, it's continuing. Yeah. yeah. So like, uh, <laughs> but they explain to you all of the levels. Of like being possessed, mm-hmm. so if they can't exercise you, mm-hmm. treadmill, elliptical, yes. whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they can't uh, <laughs> run the demon out of you, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> then, uh, then they they what happened? What is it called when they're together? Oh shit! Oh no, the word. Yeah, I don't remember. It's called a word. Yeah, it's definitely called a word, as is most things. Yeah. Anyways, there's a level at which, like, 
demon and person are combined into like, like combined essentially into destroys one, their soul one it's being just inhabiting and, their body yeah and the human soul is destroyed um, but that really can only happen if like the exorcist like doesn't succeed or the person invites the demon in mm-hmm. yeah precisely so yeah it's a great show it's Shout a, out to that show. It's a really good really show. Really good show. Yeah, we started watching it when we were like started doing research for this podcast. Hey, hello, we did a bunch of research for this podcast. Yeah, actually. might not sound like it. No, but this is yeah. We did we did a significant amount of reading. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting topic in the it. sense of like, it's kind of just like all the lore behind it is kind of just like stories of people being possessed. Yeah, for sure. You know, and not really like. I don't. I mean, it's simple. Because there is it's like, simple. There's like a central monster in that, like the demons kind of like always the same spirit of something. Mm-hmm. But there are like all different kinds of demons, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not like one monster, right? Yeah. Um. So there's lots of different iterations of it, but that's how we ended up at that show, The Exorcist. It's on Hulu. You have Hulu. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. Yeah. Um. We only just started the second season, but we watched the first season in like a couple of days. Yeah, Hulu. Yeah. When the commercials come on, I'm more like, who boo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Boo. Yeah, boo. boo. To yeah. that joke. Boo. Boo. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we're pretty off track here. Um, but, but, but what I do think is important, and we've kind of alluded to it um, as far as like uh, Doe's uh, story and everything yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. is... I mean, maybe that was... More like Doe's story. Yeah, more like Doe. I don't know. Like Doe's. Like sleep. Oh, like a boring story. Like a boring story. Right. (laughs) So, um, but, but, you know, he got better, but but they were incorporating a priest in the midst of psychological evaluation. Yeah. So... They even did the exorcism in a hospital. Exactly. So it's like, you know, there there definitely are more responsible ways to take this, um, and if it makes you feel better... And provides you some spiritual strength. I think that's a reasonable thing um, for somebody to pursue. Yeah. And, and so I, I think that point of um, of that interview I was reading was really, um, really important to think yeah. about. Um, and then and then you also think about if you go further back and, and uh, you know this idea of kind of mass hysteria, right? It's probably a driving point behind all these kind of influxes of of uh, exorcisms, whether it was the 1600s or the 20th century. Right? I mean, the 20th century alone was rife with all that stuff. Yeah, for Demo- sure. Uh, dem- well, uh, well, part satanic of, panic and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, all that is in the 80s hysteria, and 90s right? is satanic you know, panic, yeah. It's probably, you know, the, the thing kind of enters the zeitgeist and then yeah, people enact it. For sure. I mean, it's really interesting. So, like... Um, I do like nine, you know, nineteenth-century literature research. She does um, it. I do it, um, and uh, yeah, that was a really eloquent way to describe yeah. my research. I does nineteenth-century literature. Yeah, <laughs> but, I read um, the old books and I talk about them. They're at least a hundred years old. <laughs> um, I look at it and I can tell right away that don't have enough dust to be old enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. It ain't got enough dust on it for me to study. In the middle to end of the 19th century, like, spiritualism <laughs> became a really mm. big thing. So that's when you start to get, like, 
things like Ouija boards and people like doing seances and like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, and so that like kind of enters like that. The that's at the turn of the 20th century that we like really see kind of like the heyday of that yeah. kind of stuff. Not as bad as the high school wedgie board. No. Nah. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but what's interesting about that is that then after like you know World War One and that kind of stuff, you see a resurgence of that, and then again after World War Two, and obviously the like having that the inciting factor of that is that you have lots and lots of people that have lost loved ones and so they really want to like hold on to something so you see this kind of infusion of like the dead amongst the living and what you see with the Roland Doe case and this is just me you know talking but like what's interesting you know like I didn't read this anywhere but painted a picture there yeah but (laughs) but uh but what's interesting to me about it is that like it starts with this Ouija board like he's grieving over like a like a dead aunt and he accidentally invites this like horrible character in and that's obviously like how the the exorcist starts too um because it's based off of this story but also because we think that, like, in our grieving processes and these, like, natural human processes um, where, it, I mean, it's natural to believe that, like, there could be something yeah. out there because it, it gives us a way to, like, make sense of losing our loved ones um, that we could be invite, inviting in something more sinister. Yeah, well, you know, the devil kind of finding you at your weakest is, yeah, you know, definitely, you know, a kind of cliche of that part. So, yeah, um, I, I think another point, and you're kind of bringing up, you know, maybe why, you know, know, the historical influences of why this is all happening. And, and I think as far, you know, you go back to the older events and you had the split of Protestants Mm -hmm. from Catholics, right? Yeah, for sure. And, um, so I think that happened in the 1600s. Is that true? The split of Catholics and Protestants? Yeah. I don't know when that happened. You're going to make me look really bad. Um, no, it was earlier than that. Earlier than that? Uh, I think it was the 15... 40, you know... Fi- no, you're right. I think I it think was the 1600s. 1600s. I think that um, was when you had uh, Martin Luther. Yeah, Luther, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe... Yeah, yeah. So, um, because Luther actually, uh, he talked about... he. There were some anecdotes talking about him and his exorcisms um, and stuff like that. And, and that was kind of... Uh, in the context of, of what we were talking about before, of differences between Protestant exorcisms and, and Catholic exorcisms. You got it. The Reformation began in 1517. 1517? Okay, yeah. Yeah, 16th century. Yeah, 16th century. So, um, so you know, you kind of have this, this you know, the church wants to build strength, right, when it's, when it's splitting and, you know, pushing the idea that there are evil forces at work and we have an army that can help you from it. Mm-hmm. These clerics, yeah, um, you know that that's that's rife for for a surge in that type of activity. I would say, right? Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some they're like really interesting, more like you know they're they're old things, but they're also like you know things that we can that your common person can relate to with this. Um, to like so, I know I got into like I got interested in like demons and like exorcism and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um when i was like pretty young probably like i don't Two. know 12 13 or something 13. like that and it was because i saw this 
uh, like TV show around Halloween on I think tra- like Discovery or Travel Channel, like one of those kind of paranormal uh, yeah. shows, and um, and it was about like demonic possession. This person was convinced that there was like a demon in their home or something yeah. like that. Well, I also <laughs> must have just got married, you know. <laughs> Saying. He says, staring at his wife. <laughs> no, I um, looked away. I looked away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but I, you know, that resonated with me, and I was terrified after seeing that. And the reason was that I have always suffered from sleep paralysis. Mm. Well, what happens with sleep, sleep paralysis, and it's not the same for everybody, but... Um, if you like listen to people talk about it or write about it or that kind of stuff, like it's pretty similar. And um, it's that like you wake up, you can see like everything is the same in your bedroom. You know, you're you're convinced like you know you're convinced that you're awake, right? Um, and then there's just like these dark figures that start to kind of close in on you, or you can see them hovering right above you, and you cannot move. Yeah. And so you're just terrified that these creatures are just coming in to take you. And so you become convinced, like I would become convinced that I was like fighting away a demon yeah. in some ways. That's awesome. No, 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 no. no I had one episode scary. of Sleep Paralysis. It was the worst night of my yeah, entire life. It, it happens yeah. to me all the time, yeah. too. And I like even if just talking about it, it makes me nervous because I'm worried that like tonight it'll happen. Yeah. Um, there was this really good documentary about sleep paralysis. Um it's pretty good. I like it. Was it good? Oh, yeah. What is it called? Um, uh, it was called Spook Sleep, I think. Spooky Sleep, maybe. Scary Sleep. No. Scary Sleep Bedtime Stories. It's called The Nightmare. It's called The Nightmare. Yeah. Um, and it's really... It's. I thought it was really good, but maybe that's just because, like, that... It explained, like, my experience of sleep paralysis. Yeah. But all of these people had the same experience of thinking that there was like something paranormal happening, and then they went through like the history of it, and like the basically the shadow creatures showing up in people's bedrooms and and that kind of stuff, and like not being able to move, um, and it's just you know as old as time, and so you think yeah. you can really trace like the those things really yeah it ties into all, all sorts of things you know alien possession yeah uh, alien yeah. abduction rather and um, possession for any kind of supernatural idea. Yeah, for sure. Sleep paralysis is is right there in the, in kind of. Yeah, shadows, because it's hor- it's right? horrifying because you're totally convinced you you're totally convinced that it's yeah, real. It was awful. Yeah, the one t- you know I only had it that one time, but it was fucking terrible mm-hmm. and very strange. Such a strange thing because you feel a wit. You know, the imagery is perfect of like where you. At least for me, it was, you know, I was just laying in my bed like my eyes never closed. No, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And then once you realize that you're asleep, Mm -hmm. you know, you start trying to wake yourself up. And so then you're like frantically trying to wake yourself up. And I've had many times where like I wake myself up for a second and then I fall back asleep and it happens again. And I wake up and it happens again. And it'll happen like... Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I I, I fell back into it a few times and... uh, And then you're afraid to go to sleep after Then I was terrified to go to sleep. Yeah. I once had a lucid dream, right? And I was able to fly. And this was very much the opposite of that. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds awesome. (laughs) Yeah, so that was a great experience. So I think that there's highs and lows in life (laughs) is what we should take from it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you take from that. Yeah, but that happens to me like 
a few times a year. There's apparently some people out there where it happens like once a week. Yeah, some people were saying, yeah, it happens all the time. It's I, there, awful. It used to be where like it would happen at least like once a month or once every couple weeks to me. Um, like where I got to the point when I was younger where like I was afraid to go to sleep. And so I was like kind of a night owl, right? Like yeah. I didn't want to go to sleep. But um, as opposed to the day owl. As opposed to the day owl, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, day owl. but to me, like, that really confirmed, like, even through, like, the beginning of, of <laughs> <laughs> Even through the beginning of college, like, it really confirmed, like, my belief in, like, the supernatural. Like, even after I knew that, like, there was something, it still felt like there was this kind of, like, sinister force that I was engaged with. Um, even after I knew what it was, like, it was just kind of like this feeling that hung around with me. So like when I did have like what felt like supernatural experiences later, like it was definitely like confirmation bias yeah. around that. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So, um, so to kind of tie it back to what we, where we really went on a second tangent there, uh, I was talking about Dr. Gallagher, um, Right, and he was. Oh, you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, so we kind of introduced him, right? He's a psychiatrist that. Um, I forgot to get the dates from from the stuff I was reading. They're kind of early two thousand, but yeah, recent, yeah. real recent stuff. And he's kind of like one of these go to guys now, as far as um, referring people to get um, exorcisms. Now he says that he still does like a full. You know, I don't really know. Obviously, I don't know the guy, but. But going on his word, he says that... You don't, you don't know him? Yeah, I don't know him. But he says, you know, I give a full analysis before I jump right to exorcism. But he believes in exorcism. He hands them a piece of paper and it says, are you possessed by a demon? Check yeah. yes or no. Big yes or no. You just check the box. <laughs> it's a full eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. Yes or no. Yes or no. Yeah. Um, so so that they and the demon can read the paper. Uh, Right. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 yeah presumably. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, so basically, his inspiration to kind of believe in this stuff um, stemmed from this one experience with a woman named Julia. It's a pseudonym, I assume. It is a pseudonym. Yeah. Um, who basically came to him and showed signs of possession, and Julia was. The kind of queen of a demonic cult, of a satanic cult. Satanic cult, cult yeah. Yep. So she was a priestess of a satanic cult. Things got a little too freaky for Julia. Yeah. Essentially, you know, she, she just starts barking off all the kind of classic symptoms, speaking in tongues. Uh, she knew stuff about him that, like, she shouldn't have known, that type of thing. Um, like, parts about his personal history and stuff like that that really got to him. Um Books were flying off the shelves at one point. Um, sp- spoken tongue, spoke uh, Latin, I think, or, or another language. She should, you know, that's a classic sign is like knowing languages that you don't know. Latin right? or Aramaic, or yeah, really big things. or speaking in tongues. So I think she did both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and so essentially, that that convinced him, right? And he started to he referred here her to a priest for an exorcism, and he kind of joined in on the process. You know, got in on the ground floor, mm-hmm. as they say. Mm-hmm. That's a ter- that's a business term uh, for getting in early on a business. <laughs> and so he did that, and uh, essentially kind of kind of became inspired from there. Eventually, uh, his words, you know, he said that she stopped 
and because uh, she liked the powers and quit the exorcism stuff. <laughs> and then she died of cancer a little while later. Oh, no. Yeah. So it kind of sounds made up a little bit, if I'm being honest. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. If she's already the queen of a satanic cult, I would believe that maybe she liked the powers. Yeah, it sounds made up on one end or the other is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done with this. <laughs> I actually, I, I changed my mind. I like the powers. Yeah, it sounds like what I would say, like after I tricked somebody into giving me an exorcism and then I kind of got the idea and then I didn't want to do exorcisms anymore. Yeah. That's what I would say. And then if <laughs> I had calling, cancer, I would die. Are you calling Julia a liar? I'm calling somebody a liar. In a second. <laughs> Maybe it's the demon inside. Yeah. Maybe that's the liar. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Lied uh, about the cancer. Julia's yeah. still alive. Yeah. Trick attack. Yeah. Trick cancer attack. Yep. But, um, so, that, so that's kind of, um, you know, his story and how he became kind of uh, one of these go-to science guys. His story supports. about how he became one of those. Mm-hmm. His story. You say history or his story? His story. Ah. Mm-hmm. Or the history. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Of him. Yeah, that was a kind of pick-your-own-adventure sentence. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that's kind of what I have uh, about about that guy and, and modern exorcisms. I, I think the idea of, you know, there was that explosion in the 20th century mm-hmm. that had left us with these class, classic stories of the exorcism and Anna Mitchell and um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And... You know, nowadays we don't seem to have those same uh, same things. Although in Italy, it seems like it's still really a big, big part of their life. It definitely is. At least those who are very, maybe very, you know, are Catholic. into that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. I'm not trying to say that every Italian. I'm sure there's plenty of Italians who roll their eyes at that type of thing. Or, I mean, I don't want to say, hey, maybe they're real. I don't know. But they certainly have the highest concentration. Of they seem to have a very high concentration of that. Yeah. I don't know if it has to do with uh, the location of the Catholic Church. <laughs> oh, you mean the Catholic Church is in Italy? Mm-hmm. Located in the Vatican, which is in the center of Italy? Yeah, the big one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Captain. Yep, Captain Catholic. Captain Catholic. <laughs> or the Pope. Or the Pope. Pope. Um, Pope. Yeah. Padre. Yeah, that's something. Yeah. So, uh, that's pretty much all we got on extra Yeah, that's pretty much what we have. Um, spooky, spooky. It's spooky stuff, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. It definitely makes me, like, the most uncomfortable of supernatural things, I Is think. Is that true? Yeah, demon, demon well, possession. because it's it still, I think it... Well, one, I think it plays to a really deep-seated fear of you know a change in a loved one a change in something that we know uh is so like primal i guess i guess i think it's also this idea that you could be like so out of control too Mm -hmm. like you're not in control of like any part of your like mental or physical processes yeah yeah for sure um and that there is this like kind of evil that can take over too um i think it i think it's more like definitely the change in a loved one but i think this the it's probably more a fear of losing control of yourself yeah in that way because like i'm not afraid that like you're gonna get possessed (laughs) 
<laughs> right, yeah, yeah. No, I couldn't be possessed. No, 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 you're impervious. I'm too strong. Yeah. I'm weak. Well, you're a lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't... Uh, exorcisms, I mean, they seem like... I guess it's just because religion, whether you are religious or not still holds a certain amount of clout as well Mm -hmm. as far as like i mean it's not bigfoot right well it's it's like a long it's got a long story you know and this isn't to say that you know i mean religion should hold some amount of clout uh but it's like anything that's even remotely tied to it still holds like something there yeah you and i don't consider ourselves like part of the church but it still seems to be like yeah 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 yeah, Yeah. exactly and so it's um it's interesting in that way it's also interesting how like the dominant narrative i mean obviously like christianity becomes like the dominant narrative and especially in the west no matter what so like Mm -hmm. we see like lots of our horror movies and that kind of stuff that are based on like you know, parent the the paranormal. You know, especially like ghosts and demonic possessions and that kind of stuff. I mean, you have like the Conjuring. You have any number of like demonic possession yeah, movies yeah. that come out. And the Conjuring was based on like an actual case of. Yeah, I mean that's another thing is you know we were we were mostly talking about um, people being possessed, right? right. But obviously Not like homes. Yeah. You know they they had exorcisms in in yeah like you said the Conjuring. Mm-hmm. Um, Houses have exorcisms all the time. You know, they'll bring a priest in to do an exorcism on a house um, if it's thought to be a demonic spirit all the time. So that's that's a whole other aspect of it. It's a whole other aspect. But then, like, the, you know, the obvious thing here is that, like, if you go, like, you know, to Japan or China, like, they're not, they're going to have similar things, like, similar stories and, like, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But it's going to be a different, like monster you know like it's not going to be this like christian monster that like we know through popular culture but like um being chinese probably mandarin yes mandarin yes mandarin (laughs) (laughs) um but i you know like all of that is isn't very interesting i don't know but the, the of the house thing yeah we're talking mostly about you know, people being possessed, but like certainly if you watch any number of like, you know, paranormal investigation shows and that kind of stuff, like so often they're asking the question of like, is there a presence trapping you here to like yeah. the spirit? Like, are exactly. they like keeping the good? Like, are they, is there an evil presence trapping the good spirits? Yeah. You know, they are making it so that they can't move on because like what's worse than like your family member has died that their spirit can't move on to like what we consider the next Thing. Yeah. Like this, you know, like if you believe in heaven, then like mm-hmm. this idea that some like demonic presence is like keeping them, mm-hmm. you know, on earth and torturing them forever and ever is like this horrible thought. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun at all. No. But, you know. So you've got to, you got to exercise around to it. Yeah, you got to exercise. Tell them gotta get a home gym. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, I got to put that, that house yoga. on there's the Yoga, there's apps. The you can do yoga right on your phone. So you take the great. house down panel by panel and brick by brick mm-hmm. and you put it on a treadmill. Yeah. And one, then you build it again. <laughs> piece by piece. <laughs> I believe the process is, yeah, it's piece by piece. You, you get it on a treadmill. You know when you see... And you exercise the fuck out of the house. You, see, you know when you see half a home on a truck on the highway? 
Mm-hmm. You thought that they were just taking... That's just a house treadmill. It's just a house treadmill. That house is really running. It's being exercised. Mm-hmm. That's why the doll in Annabelle is so hard to be exercised because it doesn't it doesn't have any muscles. It just they throw it on the treadmill and it just flops. Yes. And it's thrown backwards. Yeah, there's no doll treadmills. And you got to be careful because it's a porcelain doll. Yeah. Notoriously brittle. Yeah. <laughs> also, it can piece itself back together, but that's neither here nor there. I don't know. I you don't know, know the the real Annabelle was like a Raggedy Ann doll. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. So not as brittle. Fuck Raggedy Ann. Why? I don't know. That was Ugly. Weird. Yeah. Anyways, that's our uh, <laughs> that's our show for today. Um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Uh, um, we are on Twitter at Witches and Winos. We're on Instagram at Witches and Winos, and we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash Witches and Winos. Um, all of our stuff is on there. Our stuff's on SoundCloud. Obviously, you're listening to it now, so that's cool. Um, I also have links to our stuff on my blog, which is Luna Speaks blog.wordpress.com we are also at witchesandwinos.wordpress.com um and uh zach has promised that he's going to start manning our twitter so i wouldn't say it's a promise <laughs> a passing thought maybe yeah it was more a thought i don't know that we've really posted on twitter maybe since our live li- well, i, I post our episodes sure. on twitter yeah, yeah. um uh, we try to update it as much as possible but we only have Yes. Yeah. You can put vulgar things on Twitter. You can put vulgar things. Pictures. On you cannot put vulgar pictures on Twitter. What about poop pictures? I don't know that you could put poop pictures on Twitter. We'll see. No promises. <laughs> so anyways, if you want to see more of that, go to Outwitches and Winos on Twitter. <laughs> um, but until then, we will see you next time. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we have future episodes coming up. We're going to do The Jury of the Devil eventually. Future episodes are coming. They can only be coming up. They can only be coming up. Uh, and we're also going to do trickster characters at one time. Yeah, yeah. We've got some good stuff down the so, pipe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's going to be good stuff. So, anyways, we love you. Mm-hmm. Stay saucy. That's my new thing. <laughs>